Reese, Bips, put the game on, man. I'm trying to see what Luca and them boys gonna do tonight, man. Mavs outside this podcast. Y'all know what time it is. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to not only another edition of the Mavs Outsiders podcast, but the very first start of the season Mavs Outsiders podcast episode that includes last season. Remember, we started in the middle. So this is beginning. This is the first lap in a marathon that is an 82 game season for the Dallas Mavericks. And the Mavs Outsiders, as always, I'm one half of your host, Maurice Williams, a.k.a. Reese. Mind of Reese on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Joined, as always, by my OG, Brother Bibbs, at Bibbs Corner on Twitter. Bibbs, you ready for this ride, brother? Yeah, 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 I guess. (laughs) You, you You don't sound too enthusiastic. Contractually obligated to go along for this ride. <laughs> <laughs> You're, so You're not lying. You're not lying. If you're wondering why Bibbs doesn't sound as enthusiastic as I am, uh, it's probably because the first game of the season for the Dallas Mavericks was, uh, how do we say, uh, shitty, for lack of a better term. Um, we opened up the season pretty bad. Uh, granted, we opened up the season against a really good team, a team that I truly believe is more talented than us. But some of the things we saw, we did not like. So without further ado, let's get into the recap. The first game was against the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. We got taken out 113-87. to And to be honest, the game looked like it was much worse than that score is. Uh, if we being quite honest, um, Atlanta played great defense on us. Uh, we shot ourselves in the foot with a lot of uh, offensive. Uh, the, the word is offensive choices, choices that we made on offense. Um, we kind of saw the the blueprint for the new offense that Jason Kidd is trying to implement this season with more ball movement and uh, taking open mid range shots. I personally have my own thoughts on it. We'll get into that. But before we do, I, I don't even want to ask this question, but uh, what's your takeaways from this game, Bibbs? What's your thoughts? So the first thing <clears throat> that I, I had to take away is that we took a step backwards. No, mm-hmm. Luca. Um, it, it, we're basically starting over from scratch. And I'm going to save my deeper thoughts on that idea for after we're done with the second game recap. But <clears throat> it was clear in that first game that we're we're going to take some time to figure out who we are and what we need to be. Uh, Luca was not aggressive at all, which is unacceptable in my opinion. Uh, I understand that we spent the whole summer saying that he needs the ball out of his hands, et cetera, and so forth. But the whole idea of getting the ball out of his hands was uh, predicated on getting – the personnel around him that allowed him to get the ball out of his hands, getting the ball out of his hands and into Dorian Finney Smith's is not a solution. That's not a thing that should occur <clears throat> on any team. Right. Like you don't see the, the jazz letting Royce O'Neal run the offense. 
that's actually a very good comparison. It's it's it it annoyed me. Um but it's also because the Utah Jazz have more than one person that can kind of exactly. run the offense. Like that's, so. a, that's a team that is built to do that for success. Yes. Um we 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 just aren't built for success. And <clears throat> Dwight Powell, bless his heart, getting bodied in the paint. It's just not something I'm trying to see, man. <laughs> it's not something <laughs> I'm They just I'm keep trying. putting this guy in bad positions, man. I I don't want to sound like I hate Dwight Powell because I don't, but when you put him in these positions mainly to start, these are the results you get. He's nope. not Yeah. Nobody takes him seriously under the rim. He's an energy guy off the bench. That's what he is. That's what he should be. And he's good at that. We've seen it. So why keep putting him in positions he's not good at? I, I truly don't. Well, I know why it happened this time. And I feel like, kid, I don't almost don't want to give him credit for this. But I will. I feel like he didn't want to start Dwight. And that's why he let the team choose. He's like, if this is your man... We're going to ride with him until the time comes when I have to put my foot down. And put in Moses. Pretty much. Like Once I've seen Dwight Powell get bodied enough times, I'm going to have to put in somebody that could actually be a little bit of an intimidation force in the paint. Moses Brown. That's all we got. Who's built like a dragon. He's very large. People are going to think a little bit when they come in the paint at him. Mozilla. Clint Capella was not thinking when he looked at Dwight Powell in front of him <laughs> when he was coming at the rim. Nah. <laughs> Dwight Powell slid like 30 feet. Man, never mind. Let me, I'm dialing it back. Nah, he was thinking. Head. He was thinking barbecue <clears throat> chicken. That's what he was thinking. <laughs> um, this, this, this game, my thoughts on this game, uh, I personally feel like Okay, I don't want to talk too long because I know. Yeah, I'm trying to keep these like five minutes. Or so. Yeah, we got other things to talk about, so I'm gonna just try to hit this quick. Um, I believe in his offensive vision. I truly do. The, based off the things he said, I feel like that's what the offense needs. Mm-hmm. I understand Mavs fans having an issue and saying, "Up, oh, this isn't working. Go back to what we were doing before," because. Right. You saw how fluid the offense was back then, but we also know and we saw this proven it's not a long-term formula for success. Not sustainable. What y'all have to realize is that Jason Kidd is coming into a team. All he's had to deal with was training camp and four preseason games. He's trying to implement a completely different offense than what this team is used to. It's literally the opposite. Ball movement, hit your open shots as opposed to what we were doing before. Give Luca the ball and give it to whoever's open on the perimeter. It's the complete opposite. You have to give this time. Now, 10, 15 games in, if it still looks bad, then we can start panicking and saying, okay, this isn't working because you have to nip it in the butt early. But I still say give it time. I see the vision. You Sometimes it works. Maybe down the line, like throughout the season, he starts to see, okay, I'm going to take the things that are good from the offense I'm trying to run and the things that are good from the offense y'all ran before, implement them together and see what we can do. Is Jason Kidd that smart of a coach? I don't know. (laughs) Like, 
I don't know. I'm hoping so. But I still have faith in this. I liked what I saw in a bit of the defensive effort in the Hawks game. It's just they were overpowered. Uh, I said it in the spaces. Shout out to Chris, Hoop Spaces. Y'all can check him out every morning at Hoop Spaces on Twitter. Does it like 10 to 12. Great basketball discussions. I said it felt like a boxing fight where the fighter with the longer wingspan held the fighter with a shorter wingspan at bay the entire fight. Like it seemed like he never got close. That's yeah. what this game felt like. And, and you know we were came in with a with a game plan and mm -hmm. didn't didn't adjust once we realized it wasn't working. Did uh, not adjust. Just kind of rode through it and that's something I'm gonna miss with Rick Carlisle. So and I wasn't ready to completely kill kid for that in the first mm -hmm. game just because it was the first game. So and that's something I'm trying to be patient personally. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to overreact. Uh, I agree with you on what you were saying. I was gonna save my deeper comments for after the second game and I still will. So I'll come back to it. I did want to hit on a couple key things. One Atlanta's depth was on full display compared to ours. Part of our issue, we have players. We should have players that where we could be deep and mix and match. Um, that just hasn't occurred yet. Brunson not being able to set people up is a huge problem right now. Uh, first game Bullock and Brown were two for nine together. Uh, one each of them made a three. Maxi was one for four. Uh, Brunson was getting his buckets off. We know he's gonna do that, but if he can't set those guys up, they're pointless. Exactly. They they can't get their own buckets. I would prefer for Jalen Brunson to set everyone else up and still get like a few points here and there, as opposed to dropping seventeen points. Yeah, like that's. We got to get those other guys involved some way, somehow. And it has not worked so far with Brunson trying to set them up. We'll get into that more in the next game. Last thing I wanted to point out was DFS was very active on the glass, mm -hmm. which I did appreciate. He did have four offensive rebounds in that first game. Um, again, energy guy. Him and Dwight Powell, great energy guys. Those are not 30 a minute, 30 minute a game type of guys. So. Uh, you mentioned the Hawks' depth. Uh, they're probably the deepest team in the NBA. One of. One of, yeah. Like, I personally, I put out a tweet saying I feel like the Wizards are the deep, might be the deepest team in the NBA. Someone said, I don't know, the Hawks. And I replied, like, you know what? I can't even argue that. You might be right. Like, they have a legit five. Not a legit starting five that can win in the league, but a legit five off the bench. Yeah. Uh, so... Shout out to the Atlanta Hawks, man. I know a lot of Atlanta Hawks fans like to make the rivalry out of the Mavs on Twitter, but <coughs> we don't care. Uh, yeah, that doesn't move me at all. Doesn't move. <laughs> doesn't move me at all. Um, so uh, I guess we move on to the next game now. If, yeah, unless you have any. We went on that one a little long. <laughs> so uh, after the disappointing loss uh, to the Atlanta Hawks, we went on to Toronto, a team that we have not beat on the road since 2014. Sounds about right. Yeah, I believe that's the stat that I saw. Took them out 103 to 95. Came out with the dub. It was kind of an ugly win, but a win is a win. Uh, actually, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Well, not the lead, but I'll yeah, give you a yeah. So, yeah, this game definitely started out ugly. Uh, started to see some of the same stuff we were seeing in game one. 
Luca turned Less it up. Less of the defensive effort, though. They were, and here's the thing that I think we're going to struggle with that we're going to see early on: teams that play with force, teams that mm-hmm. attack the rim, team with big bodies. They're going to give us problems because mm-hmm. we don't have that physical force. We don't have a physical presence inside. Um, teams are going to get caught up trying to just outshoot us sometimes, but the smart teams are going to see we're, we got a soft underbelly. Right. Uh, and they're going to flip us over and get at the meat. Pause. Um, <clears throat> so, oh my God. So the game started ugly. Luca turned it up, which was I was glad to see in this game. Uh, Timmy started getting hot, seven for 11 from three from him. Uh, the defense, in my opinion, was the key on this game. Uh, the Raptors, just the way they play so far, you can see that there's going to be a little bit of struggles with the offense. We helped make sure that that occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van, Van Vliet still can't get loose. Um, <clears throat> OG and Scotty Barnes injury slash foul trouble helped, I will say, probably. Uh, they don't have a big man, really, that's going to kill us inside. That helped also. Um, but we were moving on defense. We were rotating, switching. Guys were were doing what they were supposed to do for the most part, especially in the second half. Less blown assignments and things of that nature. Um, I also saw a kid made an adjustment or two. Willie Colley-Stein came in, ineffective, didn't see him again. Um, the only thing, another thing that I have to point out, because they were our free agent acquisitions, Brown and Bullock 0 for 6 in this game. <clears throat> Why? Same thing as last time. Brunson cannot set them up. They're not shot creators. You, you can't expect them to do this on their own. Yeah. And do you want to add anything before I kind of... I kind of want you to go into your... Because I feel like I'm going to okay. like, piggyback off of that, so... All right. So, yeah. So with the two games and, you know, wanting to react to what we've seen so far. And again, I'm trying to be patient because it is a brand new system that's being implemented. It's a brand new coach Uh, kid. I think people try to make a big deal out of the way he responded to Nick Ank's question after the game about Reggie Bullock's minutes or Bullock's minutes. He asked why he only played 17 minutes and kid was like, that's just how it worked. Like it's two games in. These are my lineups. These are my rotations. Like let let me. I gotta see this the first. Right. And I have to look at it from a like a business perspective. A new manager coming in. Like we know we've been here for three years. We've seen what these boys do. We know what they're capable of and what they aren't. But this is all new for him. Jason Kidd needs to see it. A nice. practice, a preseason game is not the same thing he needs to see how these boys react in this in the moment i have a perfect thing for that because last year at my job we had a new store manager come in and one of our employees you know she was always reliable never missed days never called out was never late stuff like that and when this manager came this girl was calling out a lot it was late a lot because i guess she had something going on and she was sick Mm -hmm. i was trying to tell the store manager no she's actually usually like really reliable but she was like yeah but from what i've seen since i've been here she hasn't been mm. i could not say anything about that because she wasn't here prior that's right. exactly what you just said and you're 100 correct right so and he's and again he's gonna ride this out he's got to get the data mm-hmm. he's got to see it through he's got to realize okay dwight powell's getting body 
he's got to realize, okay, Brunson is not doing any work setting up these guys in the second unit. We're wasting our shooters. I need to mix some things up. Or, Nico, I need you to get me a point guard for that second unit. Hopefully, a, preferably a big one so they can play with Brunson. So, again, he has to see it. I we got one. I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. Hey, look, um, I'm on your side with this one. We got one on the bench just waiting to get in. That I, If I was being irrational, if I was being bibs, <laughs> If I was trying to, never mind, I ain't gonna allude to things. <laughs> if I was, if I was going all out with the the irrational fan, the fanatic, I would be yelling, "Put Frank in that second unit with Brunson." I mean, this is the time to experiment. I, I feel like he's trying to stick to the money people mm-hmm. right now. The guys who are making the big money, the people with the contracts, the new acquisitions that 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 were. Gotten at midnight, not the last minute guy that almost got cut. I feel like he's sticking to that right now. And I respect it because, again, this is new to him. We've seen these boys for years. We know exactly what to expect from them. That's why we're so annoyed. That's why we're so vocal, vocally annoyed. It's just two games. No, it is 150 games. (laughs) Sure. We've seen it. Don't tell me I can't react to Dwight Powell. I've seen Dwight Powell for eight years. What are you talking about? We're trying to reach through the TV and let you know this dude is not supposed to be in the position you have him in. And we you're just setting him up for failure. Right. Exactly. You're putting him in a bad position. You're not setting him up for success. I'm not mad at Dwight Powell. I don't hate Dwight Powell. I hate that he's in a position to look goofy half the time. Mm-hmm. He's on the court. If he's coming off the bench, giving us good 15 minutes of energy and activity – beautiful i think him and brunson maybe could get something going brunson might actually execute a pick and roll successfully that's asking for a lot it is (laughs) but (laughs) i'm just trying to see something different man and i'm patient because again i know kid needs to see it first uh the other thing i'll say is kp's activity on defense has carried over to the regular season Mm-hmm. which I'm appreciative of not going to talk about his shot, not falling or anything like that. Not going to talk Stuff about like that. will come over time. Most likely. Yeah. Like, I'm not worried about that. I know he can shoot. Um, <clears throat> not worried about the, the five seconds into the shot clock heaves, you know, if they haven't cut it out again, that's part of the data kid has to collect. Hey, KP, we don't need you taking that shot. We can get that shot anytime. Run the offense. Yeah. Make sure he tell that the THJ too. <sighs> <laughs> he got the money now. He, he turned down money to come back. He, he, he said, off. look, it was in my contract that I get to shoot these shots. They said, let it fly. I'm letting it fly. Um, I don't get paid to dribble around here. He got more swole so he can let it fly some more. Like, um, asshole Luca. Permanent. I can't have cash-rated Luca running around <laughs> getting all the way to the pole and then trying to find somebody to pass to no put the biscuit in the basket my boy the biscuit <laughs> the biscuit that's you know I'll c- continue I'm sorry uh what else we got what else we got oh respectable big man or play Moses that's that's my observation so far we need a respectable big man or to play Moses and here's what I'll say to the oh Moses is this or that people Look at how the Clippers use Ivica Subach. Are they 
setting him up for post-ups? Are they keeping him out there for 30 minutes? No, he starts the game. He gives them maybe five minutes. He goes to the bench. He sets a tone for the team. Then they start switching up the, with the versatility, et cetera, and so forth. But you have to have a physical presence early because if guys can just go to the rim early, that's how they get their shots rolling. That's how everybody gets loose. That's how our defense starts scrambling because we got everybody's trying to get back to cover the rim because the guy we have in there can't do it. If we can't make any noise attacking the rim, we don't get their defense to suck in so that we can get our shooters loose. Like we just we just need a person who is a threat to do anything on their own on the interior for five minutes and then send him to the bench. If he plays 12 minutes like that, I'm perfectly fine with that. But you set a tone early by having a physical presence on the inside. And again, it's not about what he does. It's about what the opponents fear he may do. Mm-hmm. It's a psychological game. They see seven foot two dude with eight foot wingspan. They might think twice when they start trying to drive to the lane. They might overreact when they see he's getting open in the paint. They're not overreacting to Dwight Powell opening the paint because a shooting guard can stop him. That's it. That's all I have there. So, oh, last thing, we do need some ball handlers. If they want to release Frank. I ain't saying his handles are the best, but his vision is there. He will help Brunson in that aspect of it. He makes plays on defense to get the things in the open floor. That'll that's a good way to get Bullock and Brown loose. You just There's have a thirty-one year old NBA veteran that's just been drafted to a G League team that fills that hole. That's all I'm saying. I'll let that slide. All right. Carry on. We we're twenty minutes in already. All right. <laughs> so, um, like I said earlier. Uh, I, I see the vision for the offense. I think in that first game, we saw things like Dorian Finney-Smith posting up Trey Young. And it's like, bro, Dorian Finney-Smith should not be posting up anybody. In theory, it makes sense because they're hiding Trey Young on Dorian Finney-Smith because all Dorian Finney-Smith does is sits in the corner, shoot threes. Trey Young doesn't have to do anything on defense. Trey Young is like six foot one, 185 pounds, soaking wet with a brick in each pocket. Dorian Finney-Smith is bigger than him. You're thinking, oh, man, post him up. But, J-Kid, this ain't 2004, brother. Dorian Finney-Smith may play power forward, but he not built like that. That boy not built like that. That's not what he does. That's not what he does. He's not Draymond Green. You can't ask him to do that. So, I get where you're going. But this ain't 2K where just because a dude is being on the game, he can post up and shoot over someone smaller. Mm -hmm. That's a skill. And I'm pretty sure J-Kid knows this as one of the greatest basketball minds of all time. He just has to find a way to take advantage of weaknesses on defense. (coughs) Excuse me. On defense. When our guys on the floor don't really have many strengths on offense. It's going to have to do a lot with team play and ball movement. And one thing I saw in these two games that I did not like. Maybe they're getting they're not used to the ball movement yet, but the ball moves too slow. I'm I'm seeing things on the court. The ball gets to someone, and I'm all like I'm like all right, swing it. They're waiting too long to swing it. By the time they swing it, the defender is there, and you have to reset. You can't take advantage. Maybe that's something they have to get used to. I'm not sure, but I would like to see the ball movement 
uh, be more crisp and faster. Um, but, uh, yeah, I echo most of the things that you said, almost everything you said. I am going to be patient with this. I think I try not to do this much on Twitter anymore because I don't want to seem condescending or like I'm looking down on fans or anything because I'm not this way. I get some fans overreact. Okay, let me say this. I get the overreactions early, but some of the things y'all say are goofy as shit. But I get some of the overreactions because we've been so used to these players for so long. We're tired of saying the same thing. And we're so used to having the same coach for 10 years. We're like, bro, what? do something. Like, this isn't working. We have to realize we don't know what we don't know in the past 14 years what it's like to have a new coach. Mm-hmm. Not only do we have a new coach, we have a new general manager. Both of these guys are trying to figure this team out at the same time. Nico Harrison isn't going to make any moves until like halfway through the season when he says, OK, I see who I like. I see who I don't like. I see what we need. I see what we don't. And to be quite honest, y'all have to be prepared for the fact that that may not come at the trade deadline. It may have to wait until the offseason where he gets a full season of this team and sees what needs to be done. Him and J.K. are going to have to work on that together. I understand, y'all, you know, in the past few seasons, we've made the playoffs basically off the back of Luka. I tried to tell y'all that Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown weren't going to make a difference. And that wasn't against, that didn't have anything to do with them. It was the structure of the team. It didn't change anything. We just added what we already had. Now, I'm not saying this season is going to be bad. Exactly. It's more the same. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to make the playoffs. I I can't see us not making the playoffs. I'm pretty sure we're going to be good. I can't see us not being good. Actually, you know what? There is a scenario where we probably will make the playoffs. Let me not say that. Because the Sacramento Kings look nice right now. Uh, (laughs) Davion Mitchell, boy. Um. But yeah, just just be patient. I understand the frustration, but listen, if y'all gonna listen to anybody, listen to us, man. Like <laughs> y'all know, y'all know we real. We tapped in with the Twitter community. We really tapped in. Just take it easy. Give it like ten more games. Give this some time. I know y'all weren't okay with the JK hiring to begin with, but you gotta let people adjust to their new job. I'm pretty sure y'all were hired for jobs where y'all lied on the resume and y'all had to adjust. I know, Bibs. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, um, <clears throat> that's it for the recap. Uh, actually, right now, since I believe we're like 30 minutes in now. 25. 25 minutes in. Uh, I consider this a halfway point, quarter close, break point. So. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break to pay some of these bills, and uh, we'll be right back with the second half of the podcast. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> it's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. 
Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, y'all, welcome back. Uh, after that recap, a little bit of venting, uh, a little bit of enlightening. Uh, damn, I, I just said I don't want to seem like I'm talking down on y'all, and I said enlightening, like I'm a higher power or something. <laughs> I apologize. But uh, after the recap of the first two games, uh, there was something else in the Dallas Mavericks uh, sphere or uh, organization news sort of that happened this week. Um Former employee of the Dallas Mavericks, Haralabob Volgaris, uh, did an interview. Like I, I was able to pronounce that right. Yeah, I know Bib's jealous. Uh, <laughs> he went on the podcast ESPN Daily, um, the, his first time doing an interview since leaving the organization this past summer, and uh, t- to say he spilled the tea um, might be an understatement. Um, granted, he is he can say what he wants. Uh, he doesn't work there anymore. He's not contractually obligated to stay quiet. So um, it was actually a very interesting podcast. Listen, um, I think I learned a lot personally uh, on both sides, a lot about him and a lot about what's going on in the organization. A lot of things that we've speculated on were confirmed. Some things we thought were true um, based on his word were not true, but we don't know for sure if they were true or not but take that as you will but um just to touch on a few points uh, a couple of key notes from the podcast um early on in the podcast we found out that i believe it was in 2010 that mark cuban um first reached out to harala bob um he stopped doing the gambling uh and betting to come work as a consultant for the mavs he wasn't full-time i don't believe just, you know, getting word from him here and there. Didn't travel with the team or anything like that. Uh, that's when their relationship first started. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> when the Luka draft, the 2018 draft came, um, Haralabob, along with Donnie, were trying to convince Mark to draft or trade for, whatever you want to say, uh, Luka Doncic. It's not hard for me to believe that he had to be convinced, unfortunately. But um, part of that bargaining chip was that Haralabop said, if you draft this guy, I will join the team full time. Because he admitted the team we had before, he wasn't interested in watching. Cannot blame him at all. But with a guy like Luca, who he was very high on, uh, he was definitely willing to join the team full time. So... Uh, that was something I found interesting. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm glad you stopped there. So he, 
a few at a few points in this interview he stopped to make sure he gave other people credit and this was one of those times where he was like first he said you know i gave luke uh, not cuban the ultimatum like hey if you sign get this kid then i'll come but he was like well i wasn't the only person like donnie donnie and you know some other people were also high on luca so like he started to give himself credit for the luca thing but then he was like hold up let me make sure i don't come off as a complete sociopath um and so he gave donnie his credit because (laughs) we we all know that donnie donnie was all over luca like that's if he had just tried to take full credit for it, he would have lost all credibility so um i did i did appreciate his openness on that the other thing i want to talk about there was myself and probably a lot of other people were confused about why he would leave the gambling world making buku bucks to work for a team like that and he mentioned like i was having to deal with organized crime syndicates and whatnot yeah. because once you become known as the guy that wins bets, they won't take your bets anymore and they are not legally obligated to. So he's having to work through shady channels to get his bets off. And I mean, people punked him a few times and took his money. Like, And he also said that he made $100 million altogether since gambling. So I'm yeah. pretty sure he wasn't hurting for money right. at all. Right, he wasn't hurt. He was set. He was fine. He had enough money. So between getting away from working with crime syndicates and being comfortable wanting to have some fun, it made sense. So I appreciated that part of it too. Just like getting an understanding for why he would make that leap. All right. Uh, was there any, well, I don't want to <clears throat> jump. There's more, but. Yeah. I don't want to jump too far, but I think uh, just to check. Uh, actually, I'll mention this key point. If you have anything that occurred, um, Prior to this, you could jump in after. Um, Bob mentioned that he had the closest relationship in the organization with Rick Carlisle. And that he communicated the most with Rick Carlisle, which was very surprising to me. Just because Rick Carlisle looks like he doesn't like people. But um, I also felt like that probably would have been with Mark Cuban to be quite honest, uh, yeah, he said the only person he communicated with outside of, I guess, you know, work or anything was Rick Carlisle. Uh, he said he's sure Rick would um, sentiment the same thoughts of their relationship. I thought that was interesting. And I thought that went, in a, went a lot into why Rick valued his opinion so much and took his opinions when it came to rotations because of the relationship that they had um did you have any thoughts on this or did you have yeah. any notes you wanted to hit <clears throat> so i had a couple things prior to that that i wanted to hit mm-hmm. and then i'll hit that too so the first thing is that when he did come in in 2018 he mentioned that he basically made up his title right um i wrote it down let me see something yeah it was like director of quantum something one of quantum now you get mcu mixed up <laughs> director of quantitative research and development that's close god damn it you made it seem like quantum and quantitative is two different things quant quant man look i, I got first, a cousin named quant so the first four letters the same all right so so my cousin quant is the same thing as qualitatively quantum. He damn close right. <laughs> <laughs> no but um but he made up his title and didn't really define it so right. You make up this big fancy title, you walk in, 
Nobody knows what the hell your title means. Nobody knows who you are. He had an awkward introduction to Donnie. Or basically, that when I did, he was introduced to Donnie as the director of qualitative quantum physics and neutrons. And Donnie was like, say say word and kept it moving. And then somebody was like, yo, Donnie, he got a hundred milli. And then Donnie was like, what? So uh, let me sell you some stuff. (laughs) Hey, bro, I got this business opportunity. I got a business opportunity if you can get five friends. So Donnie was only only cared about him once he knew he had money. He didn't care anything about what he had to offer on the basketball side. Was the impression I got at least up front. Um, <clears throat> and I know you said you had forgot that. Was there something you wanted to add there? No, 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 no. You have, yeah. Okay. I just thought so, it was kind of Donnie being the, oh, okay, fuck off, basically. Like, yeah. Okay, Donnie you're here. Like, barely looked at him. Like, sounds but, good, buddy. I think that speaks a lot to something else that I think will hit, and I'll save it. Okay. So I'll come back to it. But About Donnie? Yeah. Okay, I'll save why it Why he reacted that way. Yeah, I'll save it too. There's two reasons. that There's two things that stood out for me. I'm going to say the one that I don't think you're talking about. Somebody else mentioned to me that Donnie cared more about his businesses than he cared about running the Mavs. I believe that as well. I've heard that before. That wasn't one of the re- that wasn't my reason. But I didn't I think so. Yeah. But that's that story lines up with what uh, people have told me about with Donnie as far as he's just trying to make money on on the side. I'm pretty sure you know what the other reason is. It's probably the same. Yeah. So we'll yeah. Wait, we'll save that. We'll one. save it. Yeah. Um. And then as far as oh the other part. So I do believe Bob socially awkward. I don't believe he knows how to talk to people. He's also not from here at all. So He's from Canada, ain't he? Is he? I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Then never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's like Greek. Oh, yeah. Canadian you know what? Yeah, he like is. That. They mentioned that. He mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole story. <clears throat> yeah. So he, um, and this is something I, bring, I brought this up before in other forums. NBA TV had like this show. It was like a reality show where they brought on analytic heads to like be fin- be fake GMs. I don't remember that show. It was on for like I think um Roz Roz Gold on Woody. She she was the host of it. It oh, was wow. like a, it was like two, three years ago maybe. But it was a dope concept in my opinion because it like got let them be GMs basically. Um make draft picks, build rosters, et cetera, and so forth. And they, every time they would have like discussions about building the rosters and stuff, it was all oh, well this person shoots this percentage and the reciprocal force of the such and such like they had all the numbers and the the stats and all that stuff but then when they came in like they brought real gm type people in there and they would ask them questions about personal things and personalities and etc and so forth uh uh, uh, uh I, no answers i feel like bob was that type of person where he can rattle off the numbers and tell you why this works and that works all day but when it comes to the personal side of it, there's nothing there. And that's how he operated. He basically just existed there. Mark Cuban did not do a great job of introducing him. He makes up this title that nobody knows what the hell it is. He has no friends. Somehow he latches on to Rick Carlisle and he has a lot of conversations with Rick Carlisle. But from everything else he said, he's just a presence that looms over everyone. They don't know if he's coming for their jobs. He, they don't know players and like people in the staff are like, who is this dude? What does he do? He did, doesn't sound like he made any friends. 
Like even when he was in the room, he was just in the room from what I, based on the way he described certain scenarios. Mm -hmm. And Cuban basically seems to have wanted it to be like that. Um, it seems like he wanted to be a part of the collective, but Cuban was like, nah, I want you to come in and be different. I want yeah, you to come in. He actually, and... yeah, he mentioned that. Yeah. Almost verbatim. Yeah, literally. Like he told yeah. him, like, don't try to fit in, be different. Exactly. And it Ruffles basically it put him in an uncomfortable <clears throat> position. And by him not being a personable person that can have that conversation and say, hey, this is what I was told to do, but this is how I want to do things. He just kind of floated in there and was exactly what Cuban wanted him to be. And it just sounds like he had a terrible experience. Correct. Because of that. It also kind of turned everyone against him because they're looking like, who is this guy? It right. seems like he's in a position of power when in reality, he's not. If yeah. I have no reason. I have no reason to not believe anything he's saying because it sounds valid. It sounds like he's being truthful about this stuff and it lines up well. And right. if it's true, then he didn't have the position of power that we thought he did or that that article made it seem he did. Right. Now, when we get down later to the notes, we'll probably understand why the person who gave Tim that information gave it to him the way that they did. So is that Whoever the next thing you wanted to hit, or is there something else no, you wanted no, no. to hit first? I yeah, some things I wanted to hit first. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, you know, that he seemed like he was just in the room. He mentioned he had no really working relationship with anyone in the front office. Uh, like I said, outside of Rick and Cuban, he mentioned he had a direct line to Mark. Uh, Mark told him, like we mentioned, I don't want you to fit in. Do your own thing. Ruffle some feathers. If some tough conversations have to be had, then we'll have them um that being that way like i said turned the front office and other people against them for reasons that like i said uh we'll get into actually we could get into it now because i feel this was around the time he mentioned it was it we talking about the same since you probably know what i'm talking about this was around um, the time i think you might be a further ahead than i was emma Go ahead. I'll let you go. Uh, he mentioned that, and even the co-host, not the co-host, the host of the podcast, um, it felt like everyone in the organization was trying to keep a position of power, trying to keep their position of power. He mentioned, and it made total sense, and this was something I never considered before listening to this podcast. Yeah. You go to other organizations, and there's a coaching tree like, oh, well, you know, uh, this coach came from here this coach came from here this gm that gm moved here moved there and you don't see that often with the dallas mavericks because people are trying so hard to keep their job and keep that position of power they have like a donnie nelson it starts with donnie it, it's exactly it starts with donnie uh the host of the podcast <clears throat> said that it's like a game of thrones environment like yeah i'm willing to throw this person under the bus to keep the position of power i have and when it comes to positions of power in the Dallas Mavericks organization over the past 10 or so years, there's Mark Cuban, then there's Donnie Nelson. And then we don't really know anybody else. Right. You would I mean, Mike Finley, but... Maybe Rick, but to be, yeah. to be honest, I'm not sure. So basically, he said the front <clears throat> office, everybody was in little cliques. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very gossipy. He didn't have a clique. 
Uh, there was inner office pettiness. It sounds a lot like Mavs Twitter, to be honest. It sounds like high school. Yeah. And and I've always made the joke of a fraternity culture. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Like, you either That's with us or against us. If you were a threat, you got removed. If you down with the click, we good. But if you not, we not, we not messing with you. That's fact. You either ride with us or you gone. Ride or die. So... I should have said that. That don't sound. That don't sound too good. Anymore. I mean, I like. we all know Cuban probably got some bodies that were like remains <laughs> employed. But um, along with people uh, wanting to keep their position of power, um, he felt that Donnie was intimidated by him, which I believe is why Donnie reacted to him the way he did when first introduced by Mark. I'm pretty sure with the relationship that Donnie has with Mark, he knows how highly Mark thought of this guy and how bad he wanted him on the organization's team. When he finally got him on, he's thinking, okay, now my job is in danger because this guy is here. And I guess since it goes together, I kind of want to skip ahead and mention something that he mentioned that Mark had talked to him about running the team in the future. But he mentioned it was something he wasn't interested in. That part I don't believe. <laughs> All the bullshit on that one. Um, <clears throat> he specifically said what the that he like you said that that he wasn't interested or yeah. Or he basically was like I, I never said it right. But Mark said it. Like, Come on. All right, man, shut the hell up. So Donnie, because he's the kingpin, he's on the throne, if you will. Knew that this dude was a threat. He was Jon Snow. <laughs> I can't have uh, this dude. I don't dude. get that reference. Oh. So, I, I, don't, John... I never watched Game of Thrones. Okay. But you just knew this dude was different, basically. Okay. And he wasn't just there to play around. Um, so he's watching this dude, like, let Mark try some shit. Like, nobody's taking me off this throne. <laughs> <laughs> and if they do, I'm taking bodies with me phone call away and everybody in the organization accepted donnie's ring mm-hmm. so at every point they were finding ways to stab bob and he mentioned several scenarios whether it was mm-hmm. the jalen brunson situation where they wanted to get matisse thibel or he wanted to get matisse thibel and it came up in the room like well, there's no way we don't have the assets to trade for him unless we trade jalen brunson no, and it was um it was Brunson. What, no, no, no. They wanted to get Matisse, but they didn't have a first round draft pick. Right. So they had to trade to get a first round pick. And they said the only way we could trade to get a first round pick was the yeah. Okay. But yeah, basically Jalen Brunson's name came up in a trade mm-hmm. and everybody else in the room laughed at the idea of trading Jalen Brunson. But he said, Well, maybe we shouldn't just scoff at that. Maybe we should right. think about it for a second. Maybe you should. that's what he said how he said it we don't know how he actually delivered that in the moment right but somebody in that room passed that information along to Jalen brunson somebody in the room passed information to courtney lee to make him think that somehow he was the reason courtney lee wasn't getting no minutes you want to know the real reason courtney lee wasn't getting minutes (laughs) no comment i mean if we can go there i had in my notes courtney lee 
Bob was the reason he wasn't getting minutes. <laughs> Laughing emoji. That's in my notes. Okay? You remember you remember there were a few games where Courtney Lee started. In the beginning of the season, yes. And people were like, what the hell is this? And so then he wasn't started. He was removed like at the last minute that one time. And that somehow got attributed to Bob. Don't know how. Maybe it had everything to do with how you were playing. But right. uh, I do think it was really messed up. The front office, it's so it's so dysfunctional and power hungry and just willing to throw people under the bus. You're willing to mess up the chemistry of the team or the morale of a player on the team just to throw a dude under the bus who really doesn't have the power you think he does. But they think that he's a threat to the throne. So every chance exactly. they got. And, it's, and, and you know what's funny? I hate to make this analogy because I don't think highly of myself like that. But it reminded me, so they talked about how, um, or he talked about how I guess he was interested in Duncan Robinson coming out of the G League. Mm-hmm. And they laughed at him. And then Duncan Robinson gets picked up by the Heat. We play the Heat. And he was like, what was it, one for seven in a game? And like somebody comes and say, hey, you guys suck. Talk your shit. I know where you're going with this, I think. Yeah, like, oh, you guys suck. And like throw it in his face, like, see, like, you ain't shit. You, you were wrong. You don't know what you're talking about type of thing. People hop in my mentions all the time. Andre Drummond? Whether it's Drummond or Frank D. Lakina, it's like, man, you just got to accept this dude sucks. I don't need you to tell me what what's occurring. I don't need you to tell me I'm wrong. You're not you're not getting you're not hurting me by doing that. You're you're, you're looking real goofy to me personally. And that's what he basically says like really dude like you coming at me with this like off of one game. Like I'm not basing my opinion off of one game I watched with this person. I'm basing this on a lot of information. Exactly. Like I'm not just going to spout out of my mouth off of one game. And make say that this, this is the, the gospel about this person. This is all they can ever be is this one game. No, if I say something, and this is how Bob came off. If I say something, I'm not just talking. I'm saying it because these are observations that I've had. And I think that this is the right decision. I think that this is what this player can be. I think this is what this player can do. And so for people to like, again, that's just trying to needle him to put him, knock him down a peg. And I felt that when he said it, because I, I even laughed out, like, out loud when he said it. I was like, man, that, uh, that, that felt familiar. And it's like, I, I think people think I think highly of myself in that regard. I don't. I'm just talking right. when it comes down to it. And so it was the same thing with him. Like, they think he sees himself as coming for the throne. He said he wasn't coming for the throne. We don't know if that's true or not. But in his mind, he's trying. He's he wanted to be part of the the collective, but these guys are all shitting on him on every chance they got, or throwing him under the bus every chance they got. It was a very hostile work environment. Again, very I feel like there's probably things he could have done to extend the olive branch. I don't think that's in his personality. Right. And so it was just a. It was a. It was a recipe for disaster. It was not a good situation for anybody. I don't blame him for that. He wasn't put, he didn't choose to be put into that situation. Mark Cuban, I question his business acumen, his, his practices, the way he operates. <clears throat> I, I'm, I mean, clearly he can make money, but I don't know about if he, his, his, uh, the personal dynamics situation, I don't think he does that well on any level. Um, since we're on a topic of the dysfunctionality of the organization, big words there, you know, open a book. Uh, <laughs> Don't open the book because you're not gonna find that one. <laughs> you're not gonna find it. I promise. 
Uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, since we're on the topic of the dysfunctionality of the organization, um, some other things that were brought up um, in the Tim Cato article, it was mentioned that the um, Luca did not like him much. There was an altercation where um, he signaled for Luca to calm down, and Luca uh, basically yelled at him and said, "Don't tell me to f and calm down." Turns out that was not true. The person who actually told him to calm down was Mark, supposedly, uh, and he, he pulled his mask down and was like, "What's going on?" I don't know why you would have to pull your mask down to do that, but I pull my mask down to hear people, so I don't. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. I can't judge him. I can't judge him for that. I I, I can't judge him for that. Um, I don't know how true that is. Apparently, he said after that, he spoke with Luca and he was like, you know, it wasn't me. It was Mark. He was like, yeah, I know something, something. That just seemed weird to me. Like that. It that one was wrong. Um. I, don't, I think so initially he tried to say he didn't say anything to Luca or he didn't say anything. And then he said later, or as he was telling the story, he was like, Mark was yelling at Luca to, to calm down. And I put my, I was doing my hands like the calm down hands, but he said he was doing that to Mark. They were probably both yelling for Luca to calm down. <clears throat> and he was just like, well, Mark was doing it. So I figured I could. Type of, that's probably what happened. He said Mark was upset at Luca for turning the ball over, which uh, I get upset at Luca for that too. Uh, um, right. But he tried to pass it off like Mark was the leader and he was trying right. to calm Mark down. <laughs> right. Which I don't fully believe. I do not fully believe that at all. Um, there was another instance where um, it was also mentioned in the Tim Cato article that Luca was upset with him because he felt that Bob gave up on the team after a loss. Uh, he left the game early. I cannot, I didn't put it down in my notes why he left the real reason he put why he left. I don't know if you have it in yours. So I thought I missed something. I feel like he told the story weirdly, but it sounds like he was not allowed to have his computer in the locker room or something. something So he left early to go do something on his computer before he met with, because he he said, I meet with the coaches after every game to talk about things, but I was told not to bring my computer into the right. room. Yeah. So I think he left the game early so he could get what he needed off the computer so that he'd be ready for that after the game meeting with the coaches. And he said he spoke with someone, I believe, in the organization, maybe a coach or something, and the coach, they mentioned to him, like, yeah, Luca's upset with you because you left early. feels like you gave up on the team. And I'm the way he's telling the story is like this person knows his real reason for leaving early. Right. But didn't tell Luca that was the reason that I believe based off of the fact, all the information he's given of how shady they are and throwing people Uh under the bus. What better way to throw someone under the bus that you want gone than to basically fabricate uh, a bad relationship between the star player and him. Because if it comes down to it, they're not choosing anyone over Luca. Yep. <clears throat> and when you have no friends, nobody's looking out for you in those situ- situations to say, hey, Luca, no, that's not what happened, blah, blah, blah. They just say, oh, Luca thinks you left. Mm, well, I'm going to let that fester. It's almost like this <clears throat> was really failed from the jump 
the minute Mark told him, I don't want you to fit in. Uh -huh. Like from that moment, uh, this, this relationship was, 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 doomed. was doomed. Yeah. I was about to say destined to fail. It was doomed. Um, I do respect, he comes off a bit self-righteous uh -huh. a bit in this, but I do respect him for saying, look, this is not for me. I don't need this. I don't like the environment here. I'm going to leave. I respect yeah. that. I have to respect that. Um, the whole Tim Cato ar article, uh, I believe the headline of it or the name of the article, you know, uh, was alluding to the fact that the Mavericks could lose their star player behind this. And he mentioned that even after Luca was negotiating the max deal, they were still trying to court him. Now, I don't know how true that is either. Uh, I thought I was under the impression that the Mavs were moving on from him and they just let his contract expire. But apparently he did not want to return based off of the information he's given. I believe he didn't want to return, but I do not know how true it is that they were courting him after Lucas signed the max deal. That sound that I, I didn't think I caught that, but from my, what I understood <clears throat> Again, this is one situation where he was talking out of both sides of his mouth. On one hand, he said he was already on his way out the door. But then he talked about how someone ensured that he left as well. Do you want me to bring that up? Yes. So, again, Donnie was threatened by him. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, last year when arenas were empty, Donnie didn't travel with the team like he usually does. Yeah, he didn't. And because of his age. Mm-hmm. And Bob went instead, and he was sitting in Donnie's seat. And apparently Donnie didn't like that. He saw that, obviously, as a direct threat to his job. And so when it became clear that Donnie was on his way out, he said he doesn't necessarily think it was Donnie that leaked the Tim Cato thing, mm -hmm. but one of Donnie's subjects, at the bare minimum, subjects <clears throat> said that if Donnie's going down, you're going down too and right. made sure that the story came out. Mm -hmm. So basically he said, like, I was already leaving, but somebody made sure that I was leaving, basically, by putting by leaking that story. Yes. And I believe there is some truth to that. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely believe there's some truth to that, which is even more ridiculous. Like I I just don't understand. Having a, I knew the organization was dysfunctional, but this is ridiculous. Oh, like, Captain, my Captain, they they just gonna ride with Donnie to the end, oh, to the wheels fall off. Speaking of Donnie, something we missed. Um, Bob mentioned that he felt Donnie was stuck in 2012, which is something I believe a lot of Mavs Twitter has mm -hmm. echoed a lot, and it's confirmed. I mean, it was confirmed based on the moves that he's made, but he mentioned that that's not a bad thing. It's just that's not what the game is anymore. I think there's a place for it. I just feel like be, besides not just the, the strategy of it, I just don't think he was able to communicate with the new players or adjust to the, the player power empowerment era. He him and, and Cuban has the same issues. They're stuck in the, the that... 2012 is generous. They're stuck in that 90s business mindset. Mm -hmm. And it it just doesn't work. People respect the Mavs as a business organization. They don't respect them 
on the basketball side. Exactly. Um, People that that want to come to Dallas are making a business decision. That's why we always are second or third on our list, because when you're a young basketball player and it's, you know, do I make this smart business decision or do I go somewhere where I think I can really ball out? Balling out is going to win when you think, you know, I can still be the greatest. We can get a Harrison Barnes because he's a nice community man, a politician, if you will, almost. Damn near. We can get Chandler Parsons because he's still in that frat boy situation too. He can go party with the, the owner and you know, I'm, I'm going in a rabbit hole. Like you're going to only yeah, be able to attract could, a certain type of player. After what we heard about Chandler Parsons this week, we could definitely go down a rabbit well, hole. We're only going to attract a certain couple of type of players and they're not going to be the young, sexy superstar. Exactly. At this time or at the way that the, the organization is run. Nico hopefully changes that that how that went down is one thing but the the fact that with nico is there the fact that who he is what he's done helps change the culture and that aspect of it i can't say anything about the rest of the culture i still have my doubts and questions about how mark cuban runs his business but the right steps were made as far as that part of it goes i agree um one last note i wanted to hit on I'm not sure if you have any more, but this will be my last one. Um, he basically, another thing that a lot of Mavs Twitter uh, has talked about on the timeline, which was confirmed, everything goes through Mark. At the end of the day, whatever's done goes through <coughs> Mark. Now, I know Mark Cuban is one of the very few owners in the league who is who really has a lot of personality. You see his face a lot. He's there all the time. You hear him a lot. I'm not sure if this is like this with other organizations and owners. I get the idea that it's not, honestly. I feel like they let their GMs be GMs. I just wish Mark Cuban would do the same. I don't understand why everything has to go through him. Sure, some things, especially when money is involved, because this is your business. When it comes down to basketball decisions, I feel like that's what you hire a GM for, regardless of what checks you sign at the end of the day. At some point, you need to step back. Uh, yeah. Did you want to add anything to that? or No. I mean, we talked about it. I can't remember who we had on, but we did the panel where we talked mm-hmm. about how bad things were and who do we blame. And at the end of the day, we all ended up realizing no matter how bad Donnie is, no matter how bad Rick was, and I'm not going to say Rick was bad, but it was clear at some point he... Stopped caring. Yeah. <clears throat> Donnie was what he was rick was clocking in but at the end of the day nothing happens without mark cuban mark cuban is the problem the question now will he allow himself to take a step back will he allow a gm to do their job i understand he has to sign off on it but will you trust your gm knows better than you do can you not be the smartest person in the room for once and then once that occurs, I feel like the, the organization will turn around. We are not in a great place. We do not have a lot of sexy, tradable players on our roster that are going to land us a big fish. We have draft picks again. That's cool. But there's not a lot to work with. Yeah, there's not a lot to work with. Like Josh Green, Jalen Brunson, that's our best assets besides the first-round pick. So The white power asset. 
his his contract is a little bit tradable. Maybe somebody wants a nice little energy big off the bench, but I'm telling you, there's some teams out there that like the white pile. I believe it. Until he get that flash drive removed from his his house, I don't see him going nowhere. Oh man, you're right. He still got the flash drive. He he still got the flash drive. He's gonna retire Maverick. He's gonna be the Nick Collison of the Mavericks. He's gonna retire his jersey. Like a dude who ain't really never did shit on the team, but they retire his jersey. Uh, so, uh, since we got all of that out the way, I'm pretty sure we're running on an hour right now. Um, we're going to take one last ad break to pay some more bills. And we're going to be back with the first unsung hero of the season and the return of the infamous weekly forecast. We'll be back. All right, y'all. We are back. Uh, before closing out the show, you know how we do. Uh, we introduced this last season after doing our after starting the park podcast if you're new here and you're just uh joining the mavs outsiders community uh during the summer if you don't know i do a weekly unsung hero unsung hero of the week someone who really didn't get the credit there they should uh throughout the week for the mavericks bibs does a weekly forecast of the upcoming games right now i'm gonna give you the first unsung Mavs hero of the week for this season and the award goes to Tim Hardaway Jr. THJ gets the award for his performance in the game against the Raptors uh, a game where we were down for most of the game it looked like hope was lost it looked like there was going to be another bad loss for us following the Hawks loss which really, I think, would have affected the morale of the team. Uh, even if it is early in the season, those things can happen. He caught fire. Luka was not alone. KP, in a sense, was not alone. THJ caught fire with a 27, not 27, 25-point game shoot of 9 of 16 from the field and 7 of 11 from 3. Incredible field goal percentages. Incredible shooting performance by THJ. Uh, one of those performances where you say, I love this man. Before the next game, he starts chucking up shots and you say, I can't stand him again. But <laughs> in this instance, shout out to our boy THJ uh, making us look good or making the organization look good with that new contract. Now, I will kick it to my co-host, Bibbs, for his infamous return of his weekly forecast. Bibbs. Thank you, Race. Uh, first of all, Tim Hardaway Jr. was <laughs> making it rain up in Toronto, if you will. Uh, glad to be back. It is a big week coming up for the Dallas Mavericks. We've got four games on the docket. First of all, on Tuesday, we're taking off like a rocket. Did you, did you see what I did there, docket rock? Anyway, uh, we're going to go and face the Houston Rockets. They've got some young gunners. Jalen Green had a big night today, 30 points, hit some threes. He's going to be fun to watch. Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy that I personally love, and he's off to a slow start, a little bit of up and down, but who's going to guard him? Christian Wood, <laughs> we know you love him, but will you love him when he's jaying up your team? We will see what happens there, but it's really Jay Sean Tate that I think is the guy I'm most worried about, a physical presence on the inside. Who will he body? on his way to 15 boards <laughs> moving forward 
on Thursday, we're going to be facing the San Antonio Spurs day. You feel me? Uh, we're going to be playing the Spurs, another young team with a lot of talent. Doug McDermott coming off a career high the other day. I believe he had seven threes. He's can, he can make it rain. Keldon Johnson, another young gunner that's going to try to make some noise. Lonnie Walker coming off the bench, making acrobatic moves. Derek White, DeJounte Murray, they have depth. They are not the sexiest team, but we can't sleep on them. Yaka Pertle may give us a double-double. Moving forward, it is a back-to-back, folks, the Denver Nuggets on Friday. The MVP, Nikola Jokic coming in. People felt like he was snubbed out of that top five list at the beginning of the year uh, because Luka had that spot. Will he come in with a vengeance? We'll see. Michael Porter Jr. getting buckets. It's going to be an interesting game there as well, folks. It's an opportunity for us to steal one against a good team. And then finally, and I may be premature, we may record before this game, but I'll mention it because it is within the week. The Sacramento Kings on Sunday, you know that's my sleeper in the West, and they have made me look good so far this year. De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes has been getting loose to start the year. Rashawn Holmes, that team doesn't like us, folks. They kicked our asses several times last year. Uh, maybe Lucas, what's the prevent? We don't know. We'll see. Look, folks, this is four games. I would not be surprised if we lost any of them. I would love to come out of this week three and one. Two and two is probably more likely. Back to you, Reese. Uh, I agree. Two and two is more likely. I would like three and one, but that Sacramento game is going to be tough. Uh, we saw what guys like DeAndre Hunter gave Luca problems. So maybe Davion Mitchell will give Luca an off night. Did you? Did you catch it? Because that's that his nickname. As, that was as bad as Duckett Buckets. So, or Docket and Buckets. Well, I don't even know what Rob Docket and Rocket. I can't even remember what I said. Anyway, <laughs> uh, before we close this out, Bibbs, I believe there was something uh, mm. that you wanted to do. Yes. So, if you recall, if you're if you follow me from the Bibbs Corner days, at the end of my recaps, I like to do a question of the night. Um, something that's on my mind, something like a trend or something I've seen on the timeline that I, I want to address and I want people to think about and perhaps change. There has been a proliferation of wanting to undo the past. I can't go 10 minutes, it feels like, on a timeline without seeing a tweet about who we should have drafted about who we should have traded for, about who we shouldn't have traded. And I don't, I just want to know why, what are you gaining from doing that over and over? How many times do we have to say that we should have drafted Sadiq Bay or we should have drafted Desmond Bain? How many times do we have to say that Josh Green was the wrong pick before you just accept that that shit is done and move forward? We can't undo it. It's not going to be changed. We don't have the same GM to make those decisions. Let it go. It's time to let go. Josh Green is ours. We can hope for his development. 
We can hope that it works out one way or another, whether it's for him to be a long-term Mav or whether it's for him to be a trade asset down the line. We gain absolutely, you, you're hurting, you're not doing yourself any favor by saying, oh, look, Sadiq Bey made some shots. Should have been a Mav. I will admit, I've done made those, those types of comments in the past. Usually it's about a guy that I saw as a sleeper draft pick or something like that. Because I I enjoy watching those guys. Lonnie Walker, he's not a guy that could have been a Mav. Uh, I think Keldon Johnson was one. Um, Gary Trent Jr. was definitely one that I wanted over Jalen Brunson. So when I see those guys have success, I, I make the joke, you know, could have been a Mav. But, but the way that y'all have been doing it has made me not do that anymore. Because I'm joking. Y'all are dead ass serious. And it's, I don't, I just don't understand the the logic behind it i don't understand what you gain and i want you to just kind of think for a second like why, why are you doing that like what what reason are you doing it i understood it when donnie was a gm donnie's gone we can't be worried about what donnie did anymore we have to move forward so that's my parting thought my question of the night let's move forward it's a new regime it's a new era it's a new day let's move forward all right. Uh, that wasn't really a question, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, what is was there a part of that where you want to pose an actual question to the? The question is, why are you doing it? Like, what, okay, think about right. it. Think about yeah. why you're doing it. What are you gaining from it? If I'm wrong, if if it is somehow therapeutic or or cathartic, whatever the word you want to use to 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 say that over and 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 over again, Marshawn Lynch then by all means, let it fly. I'm tired of seeing it personally. It's not constructive. Let it go. Well, a message from Professor Bibbs. Uh, I think it's time that we close this out. We've been here for a while. Look, man, I'm still excited about the season. It's basketball. I'm excited about basketball anyway. I hope y'all are excited too. I hope y'all have a better, you know, feeling and attitude going into the next game. But, until next week, we will holler at y'all. Take care of yourselves. Peace. Peace.